Well, what a joy that today we get to celebrate as a part of our missions weekend and hearing from Greg and Dana Bags. They are the regional directors for Africa. Uh, we had the blessing of visiting with them in their home in Nairobi some years ago, and uh, it was fun to kind of reminisce and talk a bit through that. Last night we had dinner with them. I know that you'll be challenged and blessed this morning as they share. Greg grew up in Africa, in Tanzania, and in Kenya, and uh, it just has been such a joy for us to get to know them. Uh, they poured into us early on. They're actually the people we sat with when Shelly and I shared, look, We've been engaged in working with schools. We know we have a heart for the nations, and we want to go from here to there. And so Greg and Dan are the people we sat down with and had that conversation. They pointed us in the right direction on how we did to do exactly that, um, to go and serve the nations. Um, so I just encourage you this morning, hear their heart, and prepare yourself in the way of giving this morning. As we give toward um, projects and things in Africa, as we look to um, give toward training centers that will raise up the next generation of church planters in Africa. So we're going to have an opportunity to be a part of that today, and we want to do that. Could you welcome Greg as he comes? Good morning. Thank you, Pastor. Dana and I are happy to be here at Connection Point Church. Amen. It's a joy. It's an honor. We love your pastors. We really do. I, I watched Pastor Zach and Shelley navigate some of the most demonic, hard situations in Sudan with such grace and such amazing relational strength. Again and again, they, they gave leadership to one of the best ministries that we've ever had in the Arab world, Africa and in the Middle East, quite honestly. I, would, uh, I had the, the, the privilege of going up there and watching them in action from time to time. And I would watch as uh, Arab mothers and fathers would bring their children to this school and I watched as uh, Pastor Zach, Pastor Shelley would walk among these people and love them and build bridges for Jesus to engage with their lives. And we watched chains get broken in that place. And, and it's a, it was a bit of a traumatic thing. All of our, all of our missionaries got kicked out of that place. We had some amazing ministries there, the one that uh, Zach and Shelley were leading and some other ones also. They all got kicked out of that place. And it was about a year later we heard that unbeknownst to us, that three churches had been planted and that Arab believers that these guys had raised up and discipled were now leading those churches in spite of incredible persecution in, in northern Sudan, in a city called Khartoum, that's a very difficult place, God breaks chains no matter where. And the power of the Holy Spirit to engage people is amazing. So we are honored. Dana and I, Dana, would you stand up, please? The lovely Mrs. Beggs. Dana and I are so, so glad to be here. 
I want to talk to you for a few minutes this morning about the promise of a Pentecostal destiny. I believe that saved people who are full of the Spirit of God have a destiny with a trajectory. There's nothing random about who we are and about what we do. Amen? There's a Pentecostal design. And Pentecostal churches like, like you here, we gather together to fulfill that destiny that God has given us, and it is our identity. It's the reason that the Assemblies of God was formed in the first place. It's to engage the nations. It's the reason I believe that the greatest days of the church are yet ahead. Amen? The greatest days of the church are yet ahead. It's because of Pentecostal people like you that I believe that. I believe that the greatest missionary movements, the greatest church planting movements are yet to come. And I believe some of those will come out of Africa. I believe that with all of my heart. And it is such an honor for me and Dana to represent Africa to you today and to give you a small glimpse of what God is doing in those places. If we are obedient to the Spirit of God, we will pursue our destiny with an unwavering tenacity and it will take us to the very ends of the earth. It starts in Jerusalem, but simultaneously it goes where? To Judea. Then it goes to Samaria. Then it goes to the ends of the earth. Simultaneously, we do it all at the same time because it's our Pentecostal destiny to engage. Amen? It's what missions is all about. It's what Connection Point Church is all about, if I know the hearts of your pastors. God has given us amazing success in the assemblies of God around the world. And we could, we could sit and we could talk about statistics and we could pat ourselves on the back and we could rest on our laurels. But we dare not forsake our God-given destiny nor give in to the temptation to rest. We, by God's grace, have been successful. Let me, let, let me just give you a few stats. We are in 252 countries around the world now. That's amazing. Assemblies of God churches. We have over 67 million constituents, believers, people like you around the world that are worshiping today in Assemblies of God churches. That, that's amazing. There are over 366,000 churches that affiliate with us around the world. There's a new church planted every 54 minutes. Think about that. <laughs> That's amazing. There, there's a new believer added, and I'm talking about just, just our group. Now there's a lot of other good groups out there. I'm talking about just us. 
There's a new believer added every 21 seconds. It's amazing. But Lauren Triplett, one of our missionary leaders, he said this, we must remember that we do not measure ourselves by our success. We measure ourselves against the task that remains. And how can we sit here as Pentecostal people with a destiny that has a trajectory? How can we sit here and relax and take our ease when there are those that are yet to understand truly who Jesus Christ is? How can we relax? I want to read you a verse of scripture that I am sure you are very familiar with. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. This is our missional design. This is our Pentecostal destiny as a church. The Bible says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the very ends of the earth. Father, for the next few minutes, as we talk about this verse of Scripture together, I pray that you would burn it deep into our spirits and our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. I want to deal with three things this morning. I want to deal with you. I want to deal with witness. And then I want to talk about the ends of the earth. You. Now you means you. You means everyone here. It's not about being qualified or capable, friends. It's about understanding that everyone has a part to play in reaching the lost. God chooses whom he will, and if you, have been pent if you are Pentecostal, filled with the Holy Spirit, if you have been saved by faith, in Jesus, he has washed your sins away, then you means you. You cannot get away from the fact that you means you. Everybody in this place has a part to play. It is your missional design as a believer. You means you. You have to find your place in ministry. Thank you for that, amen. It's the truth, friends. You means you, and there's no way we can get around this. There's no excuse if you're saved and filled with the Holy Spirit. If you are Pentecostal, then your design is to be out there making a difference in this world in some way or another. It's not about a professional clergy that gets up on this stage once or twice a week and preaches to you from the word of God. 
It's about you. Being called, being anointed by the Holy Spirit, being sent. There's not one of us in this place, my friends, that doesn't have a call of God upon our lives. We have to find that place of connection, that place of ministry, that place of engaging. And this Pentecostal design found in Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us the Holy Ghost comes upon us. He gives us that power and then he sends us out and he even tells us where we need to go. Basically, it was everywhere in the known world. You got to be active at home. You got to be active next door. You got to be active a little further out. And then you've got to be active to the very ends of the earth. That's what God has called every one of us to do. Doesn't matter how you feel or what you think about being called. If you're here and you're saved, this is about you this morning, friends. Every single one of us has a part to play in engaging lostness, in engaging people that do not understand yet who Jesus really is. The question we have to ask ourselves is, okay, how? How do I do this? Where do I find my place to start? I want to tell you about a friend of mine by the name of Mfundo. He's an amazing pastor. Right now he pastors in the Muslim island of Zanzibar. God called him to that place and he's gone to that island and he has planted three churches now in a very, very difficult place. When he was in Bible school, I was one of his teachers. I taught him pastoral theology. And, and I sat down by Mfundo one day and he said, he said, missionary begs, let me tell you my story. I said, Mfundo, I'd love to hear your story. He said, you know, I was born into a Muslim family. He said, and when I was really little, young, could barely walk, I got leprosy. And the leprosy got worse and worse. And he said, by the time I got to be school age, I had leprosy bad enough to where they would not let me go to school. So I grew up, I'd never been to school, I couldn't read or write. And when I was a teenager, I was walking down the, the streets of my village in Tanzania. And I walked past this place that I had walked many, many times, but this time I heard someone inside this house, the church, talking about Jesus and the love of Jesus. And something in my heart drew me. Now I knew, as a Muslim, I knew I was not supposed to go in that place. My family stayed away from the Christians and from the church, and I knew I wasn't supposed to, but something pulled me into that church, so I went in. And I stood at the back, and I listened to that man of God talk about Jesus and his love. And something drew me up to the front of that place and I fell down on my knees and I asked Jesus to forgive me of my sins and I got saved. And he told me that when he got saved, he said, 
that his family kicked him out. No longer would have anything to do with him. So Mfundo, who is a Muslim, former Muslim leper, is now living at the church. And the pastor is taking care of him. He lives, he sleeps at the church. He does little odd jobs around the church. He cleans it. He straightens it up and the pastor kind of keeps him alive. And as he grows in faith and as he matures, God begins to deal with him. God does that if you're growing, doesn't he? Does he begin to deal with you about things from time to time? I hope so. God began to deal with Mfundo. And Mfundo began to feel called to plant a church. You means you. And Mfundo went to his pastor and he said, Pastor, God's calling me to plant a church. And his pastor kind of laughed at him. (laughs) Sometimes we make it harder than it ought to be to follow God, you know it? His his pastor laughed at him and said, Mfundo, you're a leper. Who's going to go to your church, leprosy church? Who's going to go to that church? Fundo said, I don't understand. But God's calling me. And Mfundo knew that you means you. You will receive power. And you will be my witness. You, even you, Muslim leper, former Muslim leper, who can't read or write, you. Are you qualified? No. But you still means you. It's not about being qualified. It's not about having all the right credentials. It's not about having all the right academic credentials in line and in place. It's not about that, friends. It's not about being from the right tribe or the right family. It's not about speaking the right language or being the right ethnic group. It's not about that. It's about the fact that you means you When you have been saved, you've been given a responsibility. You means you. And Mfundo knew that better than his pastor did. Mfundo said, well, pastor, what what if I get healed? What are you going to say to that? Well, yeah, Mfundo, if you get healed, sure you can start a church. Fundo said, well, I've heard you say it many times, Pastor. He said, call for the elders of the church, lay hands on me, and the prayer of faith will raise me up. I've heard you preach it, Pastor. So Mfundo told him in Swahili, call the elders of the church, lay hands on me. And they did. Let me tell you something, friends. God healed Mfundo, gave him beautiful new black skin, all of those blotchy, leprous places where the skin had been eaten away and where it had been sloughed off were gone, and he had beautiful new skin. Two places, two places on his body that God didn't completely heal. His two little fingers. Two little, and I'll tell you about those later. 
So Mfundo looks at his pastor and says, Pastor, now, let me go start a church. Pastor says, well, Mfundo, that's wonderful that you're healed. You know, but you, you got to go to Bible school. You can't just go out and start a church. You know, you got to learn something. Times we do make it way too hard. I'm not against learning. I'm not against Bible school. I, I'm all for Bible school. We need Bible school. We need church planting schools. We have to have them. But you still means you. And it's God who qualifies you, not man. And Mfundo said, Pastor, please come with me. Come with me to the, the, the Bible school and let's at least just talk to them there. So they did. They took off. They went to the Arusha Bible School in northern Tanzania and they sent out with a, name, a man by the name of Simeon Vomo. Brother Vomo was the leader of the Bible school and they said, Brother Vomo, we want to get this man in. And Brother Vomo says, fine. Just show me all of your leaving certificates. Show me all of, those, all of the, 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 the documents that say you graduated from some school somewhere. Well, Brother Vomo, you know, I can't read or write. Brother Vomo looks at him a little bit incredulous. He says, well, you know, this is a real school. And we, we, we'll, we'll, we study and we give tests and there's lectures and you, you have to take notes and then you have to, 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 to show that you understand. And, and, and how are you going to do that? And he said, Mfundo said, I, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I know God's called me. I'm telling you, friends, if you will step out in faith when God has called you and give him an opportunity to use the power of the Holy Spirit that he has put in you, just open your mouth. Say something about Jesus and watch him do the miracles. Watch him do the wonders. Watch him do amazing things through you. Not because of you. It's not about us. It's about him. Brother Vomo said, well, you know what? I'll, I'll let you in this school because your pastor's here and he's vouching for you. And I'll, I'll let you in and you can stay for one semester. But after that, if, you, if you're not making good marks, if your grades aren't good enough, then you've got to leave. And Fundo said, okay. He told me, he said, Brother Begg's my first semester at this school. He said, I used to put my head down on my Swahili Bible. I used to just put my head down like this and I used to say, oh God, teach me to read this book. Teach me to write. Teach me to understand. And I'm going to tell you something, friends. The Holy Spirit began to teach Mfundo, a man who had never been to school. He's now in Bible college. God began to teach him to read and to write. His first set of exams he took orally. He did quite well. The second set he took part orally and part in sort of scribbled handwriting that another student helped him with, but he, but he took the exams. The, sir, the third set of exams and the final part of that semester, he wrote his exams almost completely 
on his own. And when I had Mfundo, he was in his third year of Bible school. He was one of the best students I had. You means you. It's not about being qualified. Mfundo said, you see my two little fingers? I can't straighten them out and they're still scarred. He said, God left those fingers to remind me that it's not about me, but it's about him. How dare you think that you're not qualified? How dare you think that you can sit here this morning and let this missionary service go by without saying, God, what can I do? How can I respond? Every single one of us in this building, if you are saved, are called to make a difference. You means you. Secondly, witness. You will be my witnesses. Witness. What a witness. There's two different types of witnesses. We understand that witness can be you see something and it's passive. Witness can be also you see something and then you, you talk about it. Witness here, we understand, means martyr. It means to die. And ultimately, that's what we're called to. We're called to die to self, to die to our own desires, to die to our own wishes, to die to our own designs, to die to our own ideas, to die to who we think we are so that we can live to who Jesus is has called us to be. That's what witness means. Ultimately, it means to be obedient to Jesus no matter what. No matter what. That's what it means. It means that no matter what he calls us to do, we will obey whether it makes sense or not, whether we understand it or not. And if we really understand it and if we're really capable of it, it's probably not all that God has asked us to do, you know it? Because God will always stretch us beyond who we are, beyond our capabilities. He'll always pull us out there to that place where we're just a little bit afraid, just a little bit unsure because it's about him, not us. It's about the power of the Holy Spirit working in us and through us to be his witnesses. I pray in the name of Jesus that some of you this morning will respond in your hearts and you will make a determination that you will go to some place around this world and be a missionary to the uttermost parts of the earth that we're gonna get to in a minute. But I also pray in the name of Jesus, that some of you will understand that your witness means simply being obedient right here in this place where God has called you. Every morning you get up and you don't do life randomly. You do it by the power of the Holy Spirit, which means you pray in the Spirit as you drive the streets of West Lafayette. 
as you walk onto the campus of Purdue. You pray in the spirit and drive back demonic forces of darkness so that that witness that he has put in you can go forth and bear fruit in the name of Jesus. That's how we are to live our lives with an obedience that is immediate. When we sense in the spirit that God is calling us to do something, we say, yes, Lord, what is it? And I pray in Jesus' name that some of you get called to Africa today. I'd love that. There's still a lot of work to do there. I pray that some of you get called to your own neighborhoods too. And that you truly understand what that means that you truly understand that as a Pentecostal believer, you cannot live in silence. You cannot live apathetically sitting on your couch and on your pew. You have to engage lostness if you're really gonna be a witness and do what this scripture means for you to do. You just cannot avoid it. Back in the 60s, I was just a kid. No surprise there. And I lived in Africa. My dad was a missionary. He went to a man by the name of Simon Malia, who pastored a wonderful little church up on the mountain called Kilimanjaro in a beautiful area. And the gospel had taken root there and there were churches getting planted and things were going well. And my dad wanted to plant some churches in another area of Tanzania called Dar es Salaam. It was a Muslim area. It was very difficult. It was hard. Because we believe in partnership. We believe in working alongside African brothers and sisters. He went to Brother Malia and he said, Brother Malia, will you consider going to Dar es Salaam with me and planting a church? Brother Malia looked at my dad and he said, now isn't that down on the coast? Yes. Isn't it terribly hot down there? Yes. Aren't there a lot of mosquitoes down there? Yes. Don't people die of malaria? Yes. Isn't it full of Muslims? Yes. There are no Wachaga people down there. I'm from the Chaga tribe. There are no Wachaga people. That's right. No Chaga people down there. He looked at my dad and he said, missionary, thank you, but no thanks. My dad said, okay, Brother Malia, that's fine. But will you please just pray about it? Brother Malia was a godly man. And he prayed about it. That night, he and Mama, before they went to bed, they knelt down by their bed and they prayed. Lord, we thank you that you've brought us to this wonderful place here in Kilimanjaro. Thank you, Lord, for the farm that you've given us, beautiful coffee farm and the banana plantation that we have here that sustains us. And thank you, Lord, for this wonderful congregation of Chaga people who are just like us that you've called us to, Lord. Thank you for that. And thank you, Lord, that you're supplying all of our needs right here in this place. Thank you, Lord, that you're not calling us to Dar es Salaam. Sometimes we pray that way, don't we? Yeah, we do. Well, they went to bed that night. 
And God showed up and spoke to one of his witnesses in a dream. And Brother Malia saw himself standing in a church in Dar es Salaam. And he told my dad later, he said, he said, I, I knew it was Dar es Salaam. He said, I was standing there and I had a white shirt on and a black tie and I, and I had my hands open like this. And this side of the church was full of men. This middle section was full of women. This section over here was full of women and, and the aisles were full of children. And he said, I knew. I knew that I had to go. I knew that I had to go. Witness is about obedience, no matter what he's calling you to do. Whether you like it, whether you understand it, whether it's unbelievably hard or not, witness is about saying, yes, I'm going to change direction and I'm going to do whatever it is you want me to do, Lord, and I'm going to take it one step at a time because it may not make sense. Brother Malia left his farm. Brother Malia left his livelihood. He left his own people and moved to another place where it was hot and dirty and full of mosquitoes and where the people there persecuted him. They wouldn't let his wife buy vegetables at the marketplace because she was not a Muslim from their tribe. They spit on his children and threw rocks they built a little church there with a tin roof. And when Brother Molly would get up to preach and there would only be his wife and the kids there and maybe two or three other people, they would come by and they would pick up gravel and they would throw gravel on the tin roof. Man, you try to preach when they're throwing gravel on a tin roof. Every now and then, a little kid would wander into the church and sit down. And the little kid's mom or an auntie or somebody would come running in the back door of the church with a stick, grab the little kid by the ear and smack him all the way back out the back. I mean, how are you going to have church when they're acting that way in your neighborhood? For about four years, Brother Malia and my dad, a couple other churches they were, they were trying to plant, just struggled and struggled and struggled. Obedience doesn't always mean everything goes great all at once, you know it? Sometimes you go through some tough times before God shows up. But one day God began to do miracles. They started an all-night prayer meeting on Friday nights and they would pray all night long. And when they started praying all night, God started doing amazing things and people started getting healed and miracles started happening and people started getting saved. And before long, that little church in Tanzania, Dar es Salaam, in an area called Temeke, was full of people. Brother Malia told me, he said, I used to preach with my eyes closed like this because I was remembering the vision that God gave me of a full church. God did fill it up. In the last seven years, now listen, friends, that was the beginning of a church planting movement in Tanzania. 
That was back in the 60s. We had about 30 or 40 churches in Tanzania, all of Tanzania in those days. But it was the beginning of a church planting movement that has culminated. And in just the last seven years, they have planted over 5,000 churches in Tanzania. And it was because one man, one man today, today in the city of Dar es Salaam, in that Muslim city of Dar es Salaam, there are over 600 Assemblies of God churches. Brother Malia was the man who said, yes, I'll be the witness. I'll be the martyr. I'll be the one that says, yes, Lord. Quickly, let me finish. Let me finish. You can't get, a, you can't get away from this, friends. You means you. Witness means obedience, and you've got you, you to you get there. If you're going to serve Jesus, you've just got to get there. Finally, the ends of the earth. Well, the ends of the earth and Jerusalem, it's all simultaneously, but, but our Pentecostal destiny doesn't relax at Jerusalem. It doesn't relax at Judea. It doesn't relax at Samaria. We cannot stop until this apostolic fervor that burned in the apostle Paul gets a hold of our lives and pushes us to the very ends of the earth. And we as Pentecostal people, you as a Pentecostal church cannot rest until every tribe, every nation, every people group on the face of this earth have an adequate witness of who Jesus Christ really is. You just can't stop until that happens. Quickly, let me tell you one more story. It was a missionary called to a tribe of Muslim nomads in the northern part of Kenya. And he had been with them for many, many years, 20 years or more, telling them stories about Jesus, talking to them. And one day he was sitting under a tree with the elders and he was reading to them from the genealogies, the genealogies, the stuff you skip in your devotions. I do too. But the genealogies are important because they're a genealogy. And to Muslims, genealogies are very important because they trace their ancestry to Muhammad. And so these Muslim elders were sitting around listening to this genealogy and they said, wait a minute, you mean Jesus can trace his ancestry back to Adam? Oh yeah, that's what the Bible says. You're kidding. No. And they talked among themselves and they said, well, Muhammad, he can only trace his, he doesn't really know who he's from and there's this side and the other. And they said, are you serious? A nomadic Muslim tribe at the end of the earth, herding goats and camels, finally comes to Jesus because of a genealogy being read to them. Friends, that's what we're called to. We're called to go there and we're called to stay there until something works, until finally they understand who Jesus really is. That's what our task is. And every one of us is called to it. There's none of us here 
that can escape the fact that you means you. Every one of you young people, you means you, and you got to figure out what your witness is, what you're supposed to be obedient to. And then you got to say, Lord, are you calling me to the very ends of the earth? And what does that look like? Father, I pray in Jesus' name one more time this morning that you challenge us, that you call us, that you move us beyond our comfort zones to the very ends of the earth. In Jesus' name, amen.